Heavenly Father, we thank you for the reading of your word today, July 11th. Give us hearing ears and eyes to see, Lord, your, as your word instructs us, teaches us, corrects us. Lord, we thank you for this reading today in 1 Chronicles 11.1. 1. Then all Israel gathered, 1 Chronicles 11.1 to 12.18, Then all Israel gathered before David at Hebron and told him, We are your own flesh and blood. In the past, even when Saul was king, you were the one who really led the forces of Israel. And the Lord your God told you, You will be the shepherd of my people, Israel. You will be the leader of my people, Israel. So there in Hebron, David made a covenant before the Lord with all the elders of Israel, and they anointed him king of Israel, just as the Lord had promised through Samuel. Then David and all of Israel went to Jerusalem for Jebus, as it used to be called, where the Jebusites, the original inhabitants of the land, were living. The people of Jebus taunted David, saying, You'll never get in here. But David captured the fortress of Zion, which is now called the city of David. David had said to his troops, Whoever is first to attack the Jebusites will become the commander of my armies. And Joab, the son of David's sister, Zariah, was first to attack, so he became the commander of David's armies. David made the fortress his home, and that is why it's called the city of David. He extended the city from the supporting terraces to the surrounding area where Joab built the rest of Jerusalem. And David became more and more powerful because the Lord of Heaven's armies was with him. Amen. The, um, these are the leaders of David's mighty warriors. Together with all of Israel, they decided... <clears throat> to make David their king just as the Lord had promised concerning Israel. Here is the record of David's mightiest warriors. The first was Jashobim and Hasamanite, who was leader of the three, the mightiest warriors among David's men. He once used his spear to kill 300 enemy warriors in a single battle. Next in rank, the three was Eleazar, son of Dodai, a descendant of Allah, he was with David in the battle against the Philistines at Pasdamin. The battle took place in a field full of barley, and the Israelite army fled, but Eleazar and David held their ground in the middle of the field and beat back the Philistines. So the Lord saved them by giving them a great victory. Once when David was at the rock near the cave of Adullam, the Philistine army was camped in the valley of Rephaim. The three who were among the thirty, an elite group among David's fighting men, went down to meet him there. David was staying in the stronghold at the time, and a Philistine detachment had occupied the town of Bethlehem. David remarked longingly to his men, Oh, how I would love some of that good water from the well by the gate in Bethlehem. So the three broke through the Philistine lines, drew some water from the well by the gate in Bethlehem, and brought it back to David. 
But David refused to drink it. Instead, he poured it out as an offering to the Lord. God forbid that I should drink this, he exclaimed. This water is as precious as the blood of these men who risked their lives to bring it to me. So David did not drink it. These are examples of the exploits of the three. Abishai, the brother of Joab, was the leader of the thirty. He once used his spear to kill 300 enemy warriors in a single battle. It was by such feats that he became so famous as the three. Abishai was the most famous of the 30 and was the commander, though he was not one of the three. There was also Benaniah, son of Joida, a valiant warrior from Kabzeel. He did many heroic deeds, which included killing two champions of Moab. Another time on a snowy day, he chased a lion down into a pit and killed it. One, once army, once armed only with a club, he killed an Egyptian warrior who was seven and a half feet tall and whose spear was as thick as a weaver's beam. Benaniah wrenched the spear from the Egyptian's hand and killed him with it. Deeds like these made Benaniah as famous as the three mighty warriors. He was more honored than the other members of the thirty, though he was not one of the three, and David made him captain of his bodyguard. David's mighty warriors also included Ashiel, Joab's brother, Elihanan, son of Dodo from Bethlehem, Shema from Herod, Helez from Pilon, Ira, son of Ikesh from Tekoa, Abizir from Anathoth, Sibikai from Hasha, Zalman from Auha, Maharai, Maharai from Neptopah, Hilid son of Bana from Netopah, Ittai son of Ribai from Gibeah in the land of Benjamin. Benaniah from Pirathon, Harai from near Nail Gash, Abiel Albon from Arabah, Asmaveth from Baurim, Eliaba from Shalban, the sons of Jashin from Gizon, Jonathan son of Shaggy from Harar, Ayim son of Sharar, from Harar, Elipal, son of Ur, Hefner from Mekera, Aijah from Pelon, Hisro from Carmel, Parai, son of Ezbai, Joel, the brother of Nathan, Mibhar, son of Hagri, Zelek from Ammon, Naarai from Beeroth, Joab's armor bearer, Ira from Jatir, Gareb from Jatir, Uriah the Hittite, Zabad son of Ali, Adina son of Shiza, the Reubenite leader, who had thirty men with him, Hanan son of Makkah, Josaphat from Mithna, Yuza from Ashtaruth, Shama and Jeel, the sons of Hatham, from Er Arior, 
Jadil, son of Shimri, Joas, brother from Tiz, Elil from Mahava, Jerry by from and Joshavai, the sons of Elnanam, Itma from Moab, Il, Il and Obed, Jasil from Zobah. The following men joined David at Ziklag while he was hiding from Saul, son of Kish. They were among the warriors who fought besides David in battle. All of them were expert archers, and they could shoot arrows or sling stones with their left hand as well as their right. And they were all relatives of Saul from the tribe of Benjamin, and their leader was Aizir, son of Shema from Gib Gibeah. His brother Joash was second in command. These were the other warriors, Jezeel and Pelet, son of Azmabeth, Barakah, Jehu from Anathoth, Ishmaiah from Gibeon, a famous warrior and leader among the thirty, Jeremiah, Jaziel, Joan, and Josabad from Gedarah, Eluzai, Jeremoth, Beeliah, Sheremiah and Shephatiah from Harpup, Elkanan, Ishihiah, Azareel, Josier, and Jashobim, who were Korahites, jo Jola and Zebediah, sons of Jeroboam, or jo jo Jola and Zebediah, sons of Jeroham from Gedor. Some brave and experienced warriors from the tribe of Gad also defected to David while he was at the stronghold in the wilderness. They were expert with both shield and spear, as fierce as lions and swift as deer in the mountains. Ezer was their leader, Obadiah was second, Eliab was third, Mishmaah was fourth, Jeremiah was fifth, Atai was sixth, Elil was seventh, Joanan was eighth, Elzabad was ninth, Jeremiah was tenth, Macbaniah was eleventh. These warriors from Gad were army commanders. The weakest among them could take on a hundred regular troops, and the strongest could take on a thousand. Wow. These were the men who crossed the Jordan River during its seasonal flooding at the beginning of the year and drove out all the people living in the lowlands on both the east and the west banks. Others from Benjamin and Judah came to David at the stronghold. David went out to meet them and said, If you have come in peace to help me, we're friends. But if you come to betray me to my enemies when I am innocent, then may the God of our ancestors see it and punish you. Then the spirit came upon Amasai, the leader of the thirty, and he said, We are yours, David. We are on your side, son of Jesse. Peace and prosperity be with you, and success to all who help you. For your God is the one who helps you. Amen. So David let them join him and made them officers of his troops. Amen. Amen. <clears throat> Amen. Um, Want me to read the study? Mm -hmm. uh, how did the Holy Spirit work in the Old Testament times? The Spirit came upon individuals in order to accomplish specific goals. The Spirit gave, gave 
Lil, Artistic Ability in Exodus 31, 1-5, Jephthah, Military Prowess in Ju- Jud- first, or Judges 11:29, David, Power to Rule, 1 Samuel 16:13, and Zechariah, An Authoritative Word of Prophecy, 2 Chronicles 24:20. Here, the Holy Spirit came upon Amasai, one of David's warriors, when there was an important job to be done, God chose a person to do it, and the Spirit gave that person the needed power and ability. Beginning at Pentecost, however, the Spirit came upon all believers not only to empower them to do God's will, but also to dwell in them daily, day by day. Acts 2, 14-21 The Spirit is God's guarantee that He will give us the inheritance as or He promised and that he has purchased us to be his own people, Ephesians 1.14. Jesus promised that the Spirit would teach his disciple and remind them of his words, John 14.26.16 and 15. The Spirit is convincing the world of sin, convicting the world of sin, of God's righteousness and of judgment, and he is also guiding Jesus' followers into all truth, John 16.8 and 13. Thank God for the personal guidance of the Holy Spirit. Amen. The only thing that was... um, The thing, when they went to get the water, and uh, David gave it as an offering to the Lord because it was... The water was so precious from as the blood of the man who risked the life to bring him the water. Awesome. And then... Okay, well that's about it. You want to read Acts chapter 28, 1 to 31? Mm-hmm. You go ahead. You read it? Okay. Once we, Luke, Paul, and their companions, were safe on shore, we learned that we were on the island of Malta. The people of the island were very kind to us. It was cold and rainy, so they built a fire on the shore to welcome us. As Paul gathered an armful of sticks and was laying them on the fire, a poisonous snake, driven out by the heat, bit him on the hand. The people of the island saw it hanging from his hand and said to each other, A murderer, no doubt. Though he escaped the sea, justice will not permit him to live. But Paul shook off the snake into the fire, and it was unharmed, and was unharmed. The people waited for him to swell up or suddenly drop dead. But when when they had waited a long time and they saw he wasn't harmed, they changed their minds and declared and decided he was a god. Near the shore where we landed was an estate belonging to Publius, the chief official of the island. He welcomed us and treated us kindly for three days. As it happened, Publius's father was ill with fever and dysentery. dysentery. Paul went in and prayed for him and laying his hands on him and healed him. Then all the other sick people on the island came and were healed. As a result, we were showered with honors, and when the time came to sail, people supplied us with everything we would need for the trip. It was three months after the shipwreck that we set sail on another ship that w- that had wintered 
at the island uh, on Ale an Alexandrian ship with the twin gods as its figurehead. Our first stop was Syracuse, where we stayed three days. From there, we sailed across to Rehigium. A day later, a south wind began blowing. So the following day, we sailed to the coast of Putili. There we found some believers who invited us to spend a week with them, and so we came to Rome. The brothers and sisters in Rome had heard we were coming, and they came to meet us at the Forum on the Appian Way. Others joined us at the three taverns. When Paul saw them, he was encouraged and thanked God. When we arrived in Rome, Paul was permitted to have his own private lodging, though he was guarded by a soldier. Three days after Paul's arrival, he called together the local Jewish leaders. He said to them, Brothers, I was arrested in Jerusalem and handed over to the Roman government, even though I had done nothing against our people or the customs of our ancestors. The Romans tried me and wanted to release me because they found no cause of death, of the death for the death sentence. But when the Jewish leaders protested the decision, I felt necessary to appeal to Caesar, even though I had no desire to press charges against my own people. I asked you to come here today so we can get acquainted and so I could explain to you that I am bound with this chain because I believe that the hope of Israel, the Messiah, has already come. They replied, We have not, we have had no letters from Judea or reports against you from anyone, from anyone who's come here. But we do but we want to hear what you believe, for the only thing we know about this movement is that it is denounced everywhere. So a time was set, and on that day a large number of people came to Paul's lodging. He explained and testified about the kingdom of God and tried to persuade them about Jesus from the scriptures. Using the law of Moses and the books of the prophets, he spoke to them from morning until evening. Amen. Some were persuaded by the things he said, but others did not believe, and after they had argued back and forth among themselves, they left with this final word from Paul. The Holy Spirit was right when he said to your ancestors, through the Isaiah the prophet, Go and say this to the people, when you hear what I say, you will not understand. You will not understand. When you see what I do, you will not comprehend. For the hearts of these people are hardened, and their ears cannot hear, and they have closed their eyes, so their eyes cannot see, and their ears cannot hear, and their hearts cannot understand, and they cannot turn to me, and let me heal them. So I want you to know that this salvation comes from God has also been offered to the Gentiles, and they will accept it. Amen. Anything? Did you get anything? Hmm. Pardon me. Mm hmm Oh, I, 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 at the beginning when they talked about he, he, the, the poisonous snake hung onto his arm and people were waiting to see him swell up or drop dead. And when they saw that, that it, you know, that he was able to get rid of it, um, and he was unharmed. Did you read the study? No. Oh. 
Yeah, go ahead. It talks about the um, leadership. You don't want to read it? Yes, read it. You want me to read it? Yeah. First Chronicles twelve eighteen says, How did the Holy Spirit work in Old Testament times? The Spirit came upon individuals, mm -hmm. upon, to accomplish specific goals. The Spirit gave Bazel El artistic ability. Nope. Exodus 31, 1 through 5. No. That's, no. Jeff Pop, military prowess. Judges 11, no, 29. That's from the previous. I already read that. Oh, you did? Oh. Yeah. It says here, Why does the book of Acts end here so abruptly? <laughs> the book of Acts deals with the beginning of the Christian church and its expansion in ever-widening circles, encompassing Jerusalem, Antioch, Ephesus, and Rome. Acts is not about Paul's life, but about the spread of the good news and that the story had been told. Paul had taken his message that Jesus is... Lord to the heart of an empire where Caesar was Lord. But Paul was a prisoner of the Roman Empire, but he was a free citizen of the kingdom of God. In the same way today, citizens of the ki God's kingdom are part of the spreading the good news through the places they go, the people they meet, and the things they do. The message is proclaimed that Jesus is Lord over our all creation, over every kingdom, over every spiritual realm. We we who are citizens of God's kingdom are part of this ongoing story too. Like Paul, our lives are not the central story, but we are part of God's story. Power, part of the Bible story, part of creation story. Even though Acts had ended, God's story continued to unfold, and we are part of that story today. So I was just saying that, you know, did you hear me when I was reading about the part about the snake? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. The people were like they're waiting for him to drop dead, and nothing happened to him. He was protected. You know, it's really nice to see what the prophet Isaiah see. The Holy Spirit was right mm -hmm. when he said to your mm -hmm. ancestors through Isaiah the prophet. It's beautiful the way it says it, mm -hmm. and it goes down to say, "So their eyes cannot see, and their ears well, let me hear. Go and say to these people, when you hear what I say, you will not understand. When you see what I do, you will not comprehend." For the hearts of these people are hardened, and their ears cannot hear, and they have closed their eyes, so their eyes cannot see, and their ears cannot hear, and their hearts cannot understand, and they cannot turn to me and let me heal them. Wow. So, you know, we, we were in bondage. I was there at one time that I could not hear, I could not understand, I couldn't turn to Jesus. People were trying to witness to me. Uh, it, it just took a battling like the ship that my life that I when I said yes to Jesus I had nothing to lose I said well why not what can it hurt and it was the very thing it was the last thing on my plate on my to-do list and it became the most important thing in my life yeah you know um, after that snake incident and um, <clears throat> Paul went to um, his father, uh, Publius's father, was ill with a fever and dysentery. And he, Paul went in, he prayed, and he laid hands on them, and he healed them. And then that caused other people on the island to come, and they got healed um, as well. And as a result of the, what they saw with God's, God's goodness, they were, the people were showered with honors when time came to sail. People supplied us with everything we needed for the trip. That's such an awesome testimony. 
you know, that they had what they needed when they're doing the ministry. Amen. Well, he said right here that they, he found some believers in that island. Mm -hmm. And they, they asked him to come to stay with them for a week. Mm -hmm. They found some believers. So that's extraordinary, too, to find believers in a remote island. Yes, you bet. Unless, you know, they, they, have been, they must have been in Jerusalem when Peter was preaching or John or something, and they got saved when they came back. Because every year all these people would go and worship in Jerusalem. Imagine trying to house all mm -hmm. the people. Um, I just kind of like want to go back also to the, um, you know, uh, Paul was preaching. It said here, um, he, when he said um, down in 20, 27 or 29, I'm not really 22. Um, Okay, it says they replied, "We have no, we have had, because he was telling them what happened that he got tried and you know where he was." He said, "I asked, I asked you to come here today so we could get acquainted and so I could explain to you that I'm bound with this chain because I believe that the hope of Israel, the Messiah, has already come." They replied, "We have had no letters from Judea or reports against you from anyone who has come here." But we want to hear what you believe. So they were interested in hearing. And for the only thing we know about this movement is that it was denounced everywhere. So they only heard bad about the gospel. And so he sat them down and he began to preach. But it says here that he expounded here, uh, using the law of Moses and the book of the prophets, he spoke to them from morning until evening. Awesome, huh? And some yeah. were persuaded, and some didn't believe, and some argued. But he left them with that, with what was in the book of Isaiah. And it's just, you know, that's still true today, like you said, you know, that, but it's even more severe, I think, that people, you know, they won't, they don't hear God's word. That's how faith comes, by hearing the word. Um, and they don't understand. There's no understanding, like the, like it says in Proverbs, to get understanding. Um, and, their eyes are blinded. You know, the enemy has blinded their eyes, but um, they don't have the understanding and they're not hearing the word. And it's here, so they don't see that God can heal them from their situations. Amen. So at the bottom it says, So I want you to know that this salvation from God has also been offered to the Gentiles and they will accept it. Amen. Amen. That's amazing, beautiful thing that the Creator of the, of the can write all this down, preserve the Word of God, and bring it to us. You know that we are part of that beautiful that the God came to live inside of us through Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit. He's here. He's alive. He's talking. He tells us where to go to fulfill our needs. Mm -hmm. You know, and he supernaturally brings people to fulfill our supernaturally, needs. Supernaturally, he's fulfilling our yeah. needs. Like we, mm -hmm. yesterday we didn't know what kind of car. Today we know who's got. We have a family that says, "Hey, we got this truck that's in the way. We want you to use it, and it's exactly what we need." Huh? Maybe we're going to be moving. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's Lord. a truck. It's a Tundra truck. Yeah. And he goes, "Go ahead that and use it." That happens to be the truck that you liked. Yeah, the I truck truck that I I was asking God for. Uh -huh. <laughs> Amen, so be it.
Did you read the Psalms? I didn't read the Psalms yet. Okay, go ahead. Okay. Pray for those, I'm sorry, who are suffering and oppressed. Pray that they will search for God and trust in Him. Amen. They're ready to hear from God. Pray to those who are suffering and oppressed. Psalms 9, 1 through 12. I will praise you, Lord, with all my heart. I will tell of all the marvelous things you have done. I will be filled with joy because of you. I will sing praises to your name, O Most High. My enemies retreated. They staggered and died when you appeared. For you have judged in my favor. From your throne you have judged with fairness. Hallelujah. You have rebuked the nations and destroyed the wicked. You have erased their names forever. The enemies is finished. The enemy is finished and is in endless ruins. The cities you uprooted are now forgotten. But the Lord reigns forever, executing judgment from his throne. He will judge the world with justice and rule the nations with fairness. The Lord is a shelter for the oppressed, a refuge in times of trouble. Those who know your name trust in you. For you, O Lord, do not abandon those who search for you. Sing praises to the Lord who reigns in Jerusalem. Tell the world about his unforgettable deeds. For he who avenges murder cares for the helpless. He does not ignore the cries of those who suffer. Proverbs 19, 1-3 Better to be poor and honest than to be dishonest and a fool. Enthusiasm without knowledge is no good. Haste makes mistakes. People ruin their lives by their own foolishness and then are angry at the Lord. Amen and amen. Blessed be the word of the Lord. Today has come forth. Amen. In Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen. Father in heaven, we thank you for the reading of your word. We thank you for July 12th. We ask you to be with us in everywhere we do and everything we do. Please give us success, Lord, today. Restore us, Lord God, into a great new kindness, that awareness of your word, Lord. Restore us. Renew our minds and our souls. Thank you for the reading of your word, Lord, as it is called today. We give you the glory and the honor in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you like to start? First Chronicles twelve nineteen to fourteen seventeen. Some men from Anash defected from the Israelite army and joined David when he set out with the Philistines to fight against Saul. But as it turned out, the Philistine rulers refused to let David and his men go with them. After much discussion, they sent back. They sent them back for for they said. It will cost us our heads if David switches loyalties to Saul and turns against us. Here's a list of the men from Manasseh who defected to David as he was returning to Ziglag. Adna, Josabad, Jediel, Michael, Jazabad, Elihu, and Zilatai. Each commanded a thousand troops from the tribe of Manasseh. They helped David chase down bands of raiders, for they were all brave and able warriors who became commanders in his army. Day after day, more men joined David until he had a great army like the army of God. 
These are the numbers of armed warriors who joined David at Hebron. They were all eager to see David become king instead of Saul. Just as the Lord had promised. From the tribe of Judah there were 6,800 warriors armed with shields and spears. From the tribe of Simeon there were 7,100 brave warriors. From the tribe of Levi there were 4,600 warriors. This included Jehoiada, leader of the family, and Aaron, who had 3,700 under his command. This also included Zadok, a brave young warrior with 22 members of his family who were all officers. From the tribe of Benjamin, Saul's relative, there were 3,000 warriors. Most of the men from Benjamin had remained loyal to Saul until this time. From the tribe of Ephraim, there were 20,800 brave warriors, each highly respected in his own clan. From the half-tribe of Manesh, west of the Jordan, 18,000 men were... Uh, designated. Were designated by name to help David become king. From the tribe of Ishakar, there were 200 leaders of the tribe. Of Ishikar. There were 200 leaders of the tribe with their relatives. All these men understood the signs of the times. Oh, okay. Um, and knew the best course for Israel to take. From the tribe of Zebulun, they were there were 50,000 skilled workers, and they were fully armed and prepared for battle, and completely loyal to David. From the tribe of Naphtali, there were a thousand officers and thirty-seven thousand warriors armed with shields and spears. From the tribe of Dan, there were twenty-eight thousand six hundred warriors, all prepared for battle. From the tribe of Asher, there were forty thousand trained warriors, all prepared for battle. From the east side of the Jordan, where the tribes of Reuben and Gad and the half tribe of Manasseh lived, there were one hundred twenty thousand troops armed with every kind of weapon. All these men came to battle, came in battle. All these men came in battle array to Hebron with the single purpose of making David the new king over all Israel. In fact, everyone in Israel agreed that David should be their king. They feasted and drank with David for three days for preparations that had been made by their relatives for their arrival. And people from as far, far as Ishakar, Zebulon, and Naphtali brought food on donkeys, camels, mules, and oxen. Vast supplies of flour, fig cakes, clusters of raisins, wine, olive oil, cattle, sheep, and goats were brought to the celebration. There was great joy throughout the land of Israel. David consulted with all his officials, including the generals and captains of his army. Then he addressed the entire assembly of Israel as follows, If you approve, and if it is the will of the Lord our God, let us send messages to all the Israelites throughout the land, including the priests and Levites in their towns and pasture lands. Let us invite them to come and join us. It's time to bring back the Ark of God, but we, ne we neglected it during the reign of Saul. The whole assembly agreed to this, for the people could see it was the right thing to do. So David summoned all of Israel from the Shehor Brook of Egypt in the south all the way to the town of Lebo Hamath in the north. 
to join in bringing our, the Ark of the God from Kiriath Jiriam. Then David and all of Israel went to Baalah of Judah, also called Kiriath Jiriam, to bring back the Ark of God, which bears the name of the Lord, who is enthroned between the cherubim. They placed the Ark of God on a new cart and brought it from Abnadab's house. Huzah and Ahio were guiding the cart. David and all Israel were celebrating before God with all their might, singing songs and playing all kinds of musical instruments, lyres, harps, tambourines, cymbals, and trumpets. But when they arrived at the threshing floor of Nako, Nakon, the oxen stumbled and Uzzah reached out his hand to steady the ark. Then the Lord's anger was aroused against Uzzah. And he struck him dead because he had laid his hands on the ark. So Uzzah died there in the presence of God. David was so angry because the Lord's anger had burst out against Uzzah. He named the place Perez Uzzah, which means to burst out against Uzzah. As it is still called today, David was now afraid of God. And he asked, how can I ever bring the ark of the covenant back into my care? So David did not move the ark into the city of David. Instead, he took it to the house of Obed-Edom of Gath. The ark of the covenant remained there in Obed-Edom's house for three months. And the Lord blessed the household of Obed-Edom and everything he owned. Then King Haram of Tyre sent messages, messengers to David along with the cedar timber and stone masons and the carpenters to build him a palace. And David realized that the Lord had confirmed him as king over Israel and had greatly blessed his kingdom for the sake of his people Israel. Then David married more wives in Jerusalem and they had more sons and daughters. And these are the names of David's sons who were born in Jerusalem. Shamua. Shobah, Nathan, Solomon, Ibar, Elishua, Elipet, Noga, Nepheg, Japhia, Elishama, Eliada, and Elipelet. When the Philistines heard that David had been anointed king over all Israel, they mobilized all their forces to capture him. But David was told they were coming. Uh, so he marched out to meet them. The Philistines arrived and made a raid in the valley of Rephaim. Rephaim. So David asked God, Should I go out and fight the Philistines? Will you hand them over to me? The Lord replied, Yes, go ahead, I will hand them over to you. So David and his troops went up to Baal prison and defeated the Philistines there. God did it, David exclaimed. He used me to burst through my enemies like a raging flood. Amen. Got a breakthrough. So they named that place Baalparism, which means the Lord who burst through. The Philistine had, Philistines had abandoned their gods there, so David gave orders to burn them. But after a while, the Philistines returned and raided the valley again. And once again, David asked God what to do. To do, a, do not attack them straight on, God replied. Instead, circle around behind and attack them near the poplar trees. When you hear a sound like a marching feet of the tops of the poplar trees, go out and attack. 
that will be the signal that God is moving ahead of you to strike down the Philistine army. So David did what God commanded, and they struck down the Philistine army all the way from Gibeon to Gezer. So David's fame spread everywhere, and the Lord caused all the nations to fear David. Amen. Okay, let me read the study real quick. It says in First uh, Chronicles 13:10-14, Uzzah died instantly after for touching the ark, but God blessed Obed-Edom's home while the ark resided there. Both men were caring for the ark, so how could there be such opposite results? These two events demonstrate two aspects of God's character. He's perfectly just and perfectly loving. Great blessings come to those who obey God's commands, but severe punishment come to those who disobey Him. For those who cherish sin in their lives, it's a terrible thing to fall into the hands of the living God. Hebrews 10.31 For those who do away with sin, times of refreshment will come from the presence of the Lord. Acts 3.20 Sometimes we focus only on the blessings God gives us, get too comfortable, and ignore His righteous justice. At other times, however, we concentrate so much on judgment that we miss the blessings. Don't fall into a one-sided view of God. Along with God's blessings comes the responsibility of living with Him, respecting His justice and cherishing His love. Amen. Amen. What an amazing, incredible uh, reading. And this is uh, going again, uh, I believe it's uh, Chronicles is going through over over the history that happened over again. Kings, huh? Kings, yeah. We read some of this stuff already. Yeah, uh, it's going fast. It's amazing how the people started to defect already and come over. Uh, I like it when they say uh, all these men of Ishakar, 200 leaders of the tribes mm-hmm. and their relatives, all these men understood the signs of the times uh-huh. and knew the best course for Israel to take. Yeah, I always hear that scripture. I wonder where it was, and here, here it is, showed up. Well, Jesus says it, too. Mm-hmm. You know, it tells, you don't know the signs of the times. And they had, you know, sometimes it just boggles the imagination. All these men came in battle array in Hebron, to Hebron, with the single purpose of making King David king. In fact, everyone in Israel agreed that David should be the king. They feasted and drank with David for three days, for preparation had been made by the relatives for their arrival. So the so the the relatives had an incredible amount of resources to uh, provide for these thousands and thousands and thousands of people. How do you house 120,000 from and 40,000 and 28,000? How do you house all these million? You know. Um, but they did, and then the other people got in it, man. They, you know, they they knew how to prosper. You know, they had no problem with donkeys, camels, mules, oxen, vast supplies of flour, fig clays, clusters, and ra- raising wine, olive oil, cattle, sheep, goats, just an abundance. There was great joy throughout the land of Israel. And the beauty of it is when you serve, you get joy. Mm-hmm. You serve others, you get joy. So these people were, it was a great time in Israel. And it's amazing how big Philistine was too to come, you know, to uh, 
how huge Philistine must have been, the army to come over and try to pick a fight with an incredible nation such as uh, having so many people. And then they beat them up, and then again they come back. It's amazing how David was so courageous. He met them head on. Mm -hmm. You know, he went out there. I like the place where it says, And David realized that the Lord had confirmed him as king over Israel. Mm -hmm. And he did that when Tyre started. He goes, I'm going to build you a home. I brought the timber, I brought the stone and the cart to build you a palace. That time they called it palace. Realized that the Lord had, in other words, he had arrived. Mm -hmm. You know, he could get a custom home made. Amen. Okay, let me read Romans okay. chapter 1. Mm -hmm. This letter is from Paul, a slave of Christ Jesus, chosen by God to be an apostle and sent out to preach his good news. God promised this good news long ago through his prophets in the Holy Scriptures. The good news is about his son and his early life. He was born into King David's family line, and he was shown to be the Son of God when he was raised from the dead by the power of the Holy Spirit. He is Jesus Christ our Lord. Through Christ, God has given us the privilege and authority as apostles to tell Gentiles everywhere what God has done for them. So they will believe and obey Him, bringing glory to His name. And you are included among the Gentiles who have been called to belong to Jesus Christ. I am writing to all of you in Rome who are loved by God and are called to be His own holy people. May God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ give you grace and peace. Let me say first that I thank my God through Jesus Christ for all of you because your faith in Him is being talked about all over the world. God knows how often I pray for you. Day and night I bring you and your needs in prayer to God whom I serve with all my heart my, by spreading the good news about His Son. One of the things I always pray for is the opportunity, God willing, to come at last to see you. For I long to visit you so I can bring you some spiritual gift that will help you grow strong in the Lord. When we get together, I want to encourage you in your faith, but I also want to be encouraged by you, by yours. I want you to know, dear brothers and sisters, that I planned... Uh, many times to visit you but I, w but I was prevented until now I want to work among you and see spiritual fruit just as I have seen among other Gentiles for I have great sense of obligation to people in both the civilized world and the rest of the world to the educate and uneducated alike so I am eager to come to you in Rome to preach the good news for I am not ashamed of this good news about Christ it is the power of God at work, saving everyone who believes, the Jew first and also the Gentile. This good news tells us how God makes us right in His sight. This is accomplished from the start to finish by faith. As the scripture says, it is through faith that a righteous person has life. Amen. It is through faith that a righteous person has life. 
Now, Romans 1.1 in today's study says, Paul humbly calls himself a slave of Christ Jesus and an apostle for one who is sent. For a Roman citizen like Paul, choosing to be a slave was unthinkable. But Paul chose to depend on and obey his, his beloved master. And is Christ your master? For citizenship in free countries around the world, the idea of being slaves to anything seems irrational. But Paul's example challenges us to rethink our priorities. What does it mean for you to be a slave for Christ Jesus? Are you uncomfortable with such strong language? Don't let your own freedom be a stumbling block to the following Jesus. Amen. Uh, the enthusiasm of Paul and the Romans, it seems like this is a time when he left the area. He went back to Jerusalem after they tried him once and they let him go because he, uh, he claims, I want to go back to Rome and be with you. You know, it wasn't just one visit. He came and stood. No, he... He traveled back and forth. Yeah. It's beautiful. Mm -hmm. so what, mm -hmm. What'd you get? Just the, you know, the famous scripture there. That's, well, it says over here in the beginning, it does say that um, through Christ, God has given us the privilege and authority as apostles to tell Gentiles everywhere what God has done for them. So that they will believe and obey him, bringing glory to his name. Um, and then, uh, you know, scripture for I'm not ashamed of this good news about Christ. It's the power of God at work, saving everyone who believes, the Jew first, also the Gentile. This good news tells us how God makes us right in his sight. This is accomplished from start to finish by faith. Amen. Amen. You know, it's it just dawned on me that, you know, faith, You when you say faith, he introduces a third party. Because mm. we always have, we have love, we have our senses, and we have our, the, 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 uh, uh, the desire to, uh, and the gratitude to being called, into the kingdom of God. In other words, it's already there. And when they use the word faith, we stop and we try to analyze it and so forth. But it's already there. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's a force of believing. Amen. You know, we're already. Uh, it's an action force. Believing, we believed. So you know, in the past, I go, well, how do you get more faith? More of this? Well, if you read more, you'll get more belief. And it just it just propels itself forward. Your faith increases. Mm -hmm. So it's not all that hard to uh, to understand that it's there. We have faith in everything. We have faith in uh, call the taxi. We know the taxi is going to come. Why? Because we called them. We have to have the same kind of faith that that God is is answering our prayers. You know, and it's Satan's trickery is to keep us from mm -hmm. okay. from getting peace. Okay, I'll read Psalm chapter 9 here, verse 13 to 20. It says, Thank God for the promise of his justice, which humbles the defiant and gives hope to the needy. Lord, have mercy on me. See how my enemies torment me. 
Snatch me back from the jaws of death. Save me so I can praise you publicly at Jerusalem's gates, so I can rejoice that you have rescued me. The nations have fallen into the pit they dug for others. Their own feet have been caught in the trap they set. The Lord is known for his justice. The wicked are trapped by their own deeds. The wicked will go down to the grave. This is the fate of all the nations who ignore God. But the needy will not be ignored forever. The hopes of the poor will not always be crushed. Arise, O Lord. Do not let mere mortals defy you. Judge the nations. Make them tremble in fear, O Lord. Let the nations know they're merely human. Amen. Proverbs 19, 4-5 says, Wealth makes many friends. Poverty drives them all away. A false witness will not go unpunished, nor will a liar escape. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Lord. The reading of the Lord. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for July 13th. Thank you for giving us another day to bless and praise your name. Thank you for the reading of your word. We ask your presence, Holy Spirit. We we seek your wisdom, your knowledge, that you may instruct us. And thank you, Jesus Christ, that you provided access for us to be at peace with our Father in heaven. We thank you for that. We rejoice and we thank you, Lord God, that we're service, ready to help someone, Lord. Thank you for giving us, Master, to giving us directions and how to serve. In Jesus' name, amen. July 13, 1 Chronicles chapter 15, verse 1. David now built several buildings for himself in the city of David. He also prepared a place for the ark of God and set up a special tent for it. Then he commanded, No one except the Levites may carry the ark of God. The Lord has chosen them to carry the ark of the Lord and to serve him forever. Then David summoned all Israel to Jerusalem to bring the ark of the Lord to the place he had prepared for it. This is the number of descendants of Aaron the priests and the Levites who were called together. From the clan of Kohat, 120 with Uriel as their leader. From the clan of Merari, 220 with Asiah as their leader. From the clan of Gershon, 130 with Joel as their leader. From the descendants of Eliasapan, 200 with Shemaiah as their leader. From the descendants of Hebron, 80 with Eliel as their leader. From the descendants of Uzel, 112 with Aminadab as their leader. When David summoned the priests of Sadok and Abiatar and these Levite leaders, Uriel and Isaiah, Joel, Shemaiah, Eliel, and Aminadab, he said to them, You are the leaders of the Levite families. You must purify yourself and all your fellow Levites so you can bring the ark of the, of the Lord, the God of Israel, to the place I have prepared for it. Because you Levites did not carry the ark the first time the anger of the Lord of God burst against us, we failed to ask God how to move it properly. So the priests and the Levites purified themselves in order to bring the ark of the Lord, the God of Israel, to Jerusalem. Then the Levites carried the ark of God on their shoulders, 
with his carrying poles, just as the Lord had instructed Moses. David also ordered the Levite leaders to appoint a choir of Levites who were singing and musicians to sing joyful songs to the company of harp, lyre, and cymbals. So the Levites appointed Heman, son of Joel, along with his fellow Levites, Azab, son of Berechiah, and Ethan, son of Cushiah, from the clan of Merari. The following men were chosen as their assistants, Zechariah, Jaziel, Shemiramah, Jehiel, Uni, Eliab, Benaiah, Masila, Matitia, Eliphelehu, Mekniah, and the gatekeepers, Obed, Edom, and Jehiel. The musicians, Heman, Azab, and Eton were chosen to sound the bronze cymbals. Zechariah, Zeal, Shemiramah, Jehiel, Oni, Eliab, Masiah, and Benaiah were chosen to play the harps. Matitia, Elefeluhu, Mikaniah, Obed Edom, Jael, and Asasiah were chosen to play the lyres. Kenaniah, the head of Levites, was chosen as the choir leader because of his skill. Berechiah and Elkanah were chosen to guard the ark. Shebaniah, Jehovah, Nethanel, Amasai, Zechariah, Benaiah, and Eliezer, all of whom were priests, were chosen to blow the trumpets as they marched in front of the ark of God. Obed-Edom and Jehiel were chosen to guard the ark. Then David and the elders of Israel and all the generals of the camp went to the house of Obed-Edom to bring the ark of the Lord covenant up to Jerusalem with a great celebration. And because God was clearly helping the Levites as they carried the ark of the Lord's covenant, they sacrificed seven bulls and seven rams. David was dressed in a robe of fine linen, as were all the Levites who carried the ark, and also the singers, and the Kenyanites, the choir leaders. David also wearing priestly garment. So all Israel brought up the ark of the Lord's covenant with shouts of joy, blowing up the rams, horns and trumpets, the cra crashing of cymbals, and loud playing on harps and lyres. But as the ark of the Lord covenant into the city of David, Michal, the daughter of Saul, looked down from her window when she saw King David skipping about and laughing with joy. She was filled with contempt for him. They brought the ark of God and placed it inside the special tent David had prepared for him. And they presented burnt offerings and peace offerings to God. When he had finished his sacrifices, David blessed the people in the name of the Lord. Then he gave to every man and woman of all of Israel a loaf of bread, a cake of dates, and a cake of raisins. David appointed the fallen Levites to lead the people in worship before the ark of the Lord, to invoke his blessing, to give thanks, and to praise the Lord, the God of Israel. Azap, the leader of this group, sounded the cymbals. Second to him was Zechariah, followed by Jael, Shemiramah, Jehiel, Matiatia, Eliab, Benaiah, Obedidam, and Jehiel. They played the harp, lyres, the priests, Benaiah, and Jehaziel, played the trumpets regular before the Ark of God's Covenant. One day David gave 
to Azab and his fellow Levites this song of thanksgiving to the Lord. Give thanks to the Lord and proclaim his greatness. Let the whole world know what he has done. Sing to him, yes, sing his praises. Tell everyone about his wonderful deeds. Exalt him in his holy name. Rejoice you who worship the Lord. Search for the Lord and for his strength. Continually seek him. Remember the wonders he has performed, his miracles, and, and the rulings he has given. You, children of his servant Israel, you descendants of Jacob, his chosen ones, he is the Lord our God. His justice is seen throughout the land. Remember his covenant forever, the commitment he made to a thousand generations. This is the covenant he made with Abraham and the oath he swore with Isaac. He confirmed it to Jacob as a decree and to the people of Israel as a never-ending covenant. I will give you the land of Canaan as your special possession. He said this when you were few in numbers, a tiny group of strangers in Canaan. They wandered from nation to nation, from kingdom to kingdom. Yet he did not let anyone oppress them. He warned kings on their behalf, Do not touch my chosen people and do not hurt my prophets. Let the whole earth sing to the Lord. Each day proclaim the good news that he saves. Publish his glorious deeds among the nations. Tell everyone about the amazing things he does. Great is the Lord. He is most worthy of praise. He is to be feared above all gods. The gods of the other nations are mere idols. But the Lord made the heavens honor and majesty surround him. Strength and joy fill his dwelling. O nations of the world, Recognize the Lord. Recognize that the Lord is glorious and strong. Give to the Lord the glory he deserves. Bring your offerings and come into his presence. Worship the Lord in all his splendor. Let all the earth tremble before him. The world stands firm and cannot be shaken. Let the heavens be glad and the earth rejoice. Tell all the nations, The Lord reigns. Let the sea and everything in it shout his praise. Let the fields and the crops burst out with joy. Let the trees of the forest rustle with praise. For the Lord is coming to judge the earth. Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His faithful love endures forever. Cry out, save us, O God of our salvation. Gather and rescue us from among the nations. So we can thank you, your holy name, and rejoice and praise you. Praise the Lord, the God of Israel, who lives from everlasting to everlasting. Amen and amen. Romans chapter 1, 18 to 32. Oh, I'm sorry. That's... And all the people shouted amen and praise the Lord. Praise the Lord, the God of Israel. Amen. What an incredible, um, and that's a song. And mm -hmm. they were supposed to memorize it. <laughs> a song of thanksgiving. Uh, today, 31st Chronicles, chapter 16, 20-29. Genuine worship happens when we recognize and declare God's character in the presence of others. Genuine worship also involves ascribing glory to God. This means that we give credit where credit is due. When we acknowledge and affirm His goodness, we are holding up His perfect moral nature for all to see. We might do this by telling other people stories of God's involvement in our lives. 
We might do this by pointing out God's activity in other people's lives. Worship benefits us and others because it takes our focus off our problems and focuses us instead of God's power, mercy, majesty, and love. When we catch a glimpse of God's greatness, we see how small our own problems are. When we catch a glimpse of God's love, we can do we can't do anything but rejoice. Amen. Amen. Wow, what a study. Okay. Uh, Romans chapter 1, 18 to 32. But God shows his anger from heaven against all sinful, wicked people who suppress the truth by their wickedness. They know the truth about God because he has made it obvious to them. For ever since the world was created, people have seen the earth and sky. Through everything God made, they can clearly see his invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature. So they have no excuse for not knowing God. Yes, they knew God, but they wouldn't worship him as God or even give him thanks. And they began to think up foolish ideas of what God was like. As a result, their minds became dark and confused. Claiming to be wise, they instead became utter fools, and instead of worshiping the glorious, ever-living God, they worshipped idols made to look like mere people, and birds and animals and reptiles. So God abandoned them to do whatever shameful things their hearts desired. As a result, they did vile and degrading things with each other's body. They traded the truth about God for a lie. They worshipped and served the things that things God created instead of the Creator Himself, who is worthy of eternal praise. Amen. That is why God abandoned them to their shameful desires. Even the women turned against the natural way to have sex and instead indulged in sex with each other. And the men, instead of having normal sexual relations with women, burned with lust for each other. Men did shameful things with other men, and as a result of this sin, they suffered within themselves the penalty they deserved. Since they thought it, it thought it foolish to acknowledge God, he abandoned them to their foolish thinking and let them do things they should never that should never be done. Their lives became full of every kind of wickedness, sin, greed, hate, envy, murder, quarreling, deception, malice, behavior, and gossip. They are backstabbers, haters of God, insolent, proud, and boastful. They invent new ways of sinning and they disobey their parents. They refuse to understand, break their promises, are heartless, and have no mercy. They know God's justice requires that those who do these things deserve to die, yet they do them anyway. Worse yet, they encounter they encounter they encourage others to do them too too amen okay i just like this always i always remember this scripture 
because um, it says up front there that God has made it obvious who He is. You know, there's you can't there's no excuse not to say that God doesn't exist. Again, we know it in our hearts from little children. Uh -huh, you know. Uh -huh. Yeah, but this I remember Fernie teaching on this. He said, "For they knew God, but they wouldn't worship Him or give Him thanks." Mm -hmm. Okay. And they began to think of foolish ideas of what God was like. And as a result, their their minds then became dark and confused. And oh, man. instead of worshiping God, they worshiped idols. But it says here in 24, So God abandoned them to do whatever shameful things their hearts desired. As a result, they did vile and degrading things. So I think one of the translations says uh, they have a rep reprobate reprobate mind or something like that so um, they worship the things God created instead of the creator himself um, so yeah I said that is why God abandoned them to their shame shameful desires you know men started turning to men and women to women for sex but over here um, it says, their lives became full of every kind of wickedness, sin, greed, hate, envy, murder, quarreling, deception, malicious behavior, and gossip. They're backstabbers, haters of God, insolent, proud, and boastful. And um, they're heartless. I just kind of think these are what's happening right now in the world, you know, where, where people, you know, they're not worshiping the Lord. They're you know, seeking other things, other forms of idolatry, whether it's, you know, celebrities or um, being famous, riches, um, and and they're not they're not worshiping the Lord or even thanking him for what he's done mm -hmm. for them. And these are the these are the results, you know, that God turned them over. Okay, well, you're just gonna be dark and confused from here. You know, and, and, he, and he, it, he said, abandon to whatever shameful things your heart desire. You know, here is even gossip. You know, that's 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 very prevalent right now when I go on Yahoo. And then that's all you see is little gossipy things, you know. Um, and it just, it's, it's really, you know, the, there's no other answer for the country but to turn to God for these things that are taking place, the hatred that went on with the police officers, you know, the terrorism, um, there's just, get on your knees and humble yourself and pray so God can heal, heal, heal repent, and so God can heal our land, um, you know, so it's, it's pretty, uh, that's, that's where we're at right now, these are, these are why the things are happening, because God abandoned those people, and they're doing things that are... Amen. See, God is worthy of eternal praise. They thought it foolish to acknowledge God. They wouldn't give Him thanks or worship Him. Those are all basics, basic things. And their basic sin is they don't believe in Jesus. Mm -hmm. Their basic sin. You know, if they believed in Jesus, they wouldn't abandon God. They would acknowledge Him. They would uh, praise Him eternally. And they would worship and give him thanks. Lord, we just worship you and give you thanks. We praise you eternally. We're in it, Lord. 
because you live the first. Amen. 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 Psalm chapter 10, 1 to 15. O Lord, why do you stand so far away? Why do you hide when I'm in trouble? The wicked arrogantly hunt down the poor. Let them be caught in the evil they plan for others, for they brag about their evil desires. Um, they praise the greedy and curse the Lord. The wicked are too proud to seek God. They seem to think that God is dead, yet they succeed in everything they do. They do not see your punishment awaiting them. They sneer at all their enemies. They think nothing bad will ever happen to us. We will be free of trouble forever. Their mouths are full of cursing, lies, and threats. Trouble and evil are the, are the tips of their tongues. They lurk in ambush in the villages, waiting to murder innocent people. They are always searching for helpless victims. Like lions crouched in hiding, they want to pounce on the helpless like hunters, they capture the helpless and drag them away in nets. Their helpless victims are crushed. They fall beneath the strength of the wicked. The wicked think God isn't watching us. He's closed his eyes and won't even see what we do. Arise, O Lord, punish the wicked, O God. Do not ignore the helpless. Why do the wicked get away with despising God? They think God will never call us to account. But you see the trouble and grief they cause. You take note of it and punish them. The helpless put their trust in you. You defend the orphans. Break the arms of these wicked, evil people. Go after them until the last one is destroyed. Proverbs 19, 6-7 Many seek favors from a ruler. Everyone is the friend of a person who gives gifts. The relatives of the poor despise them. How much more will their friends avoid them? Though the poor plead with them, their friends are gone. Amen. Amen. Okay. Praise the Lord. What an incredible, incredible reading. Mm -hmm. uh, let me go ahead and read the, uh, it stands to reason. It says right here, more on Romans, it says, Is God revealed through nature? The more asked questions. When God speaks to people directly through His Word, we call it a special revelation. God also speaks to all people indirectly through the world of nature He has created. We call this natural revelation. Psalms 19, for example, proclaims that knowledge of God is, in creation is universal. Sadly, however, a response to God that brings salvation is anything but universal. Paul teaches in Romans 1 to 3, that as a result of Adam's sin, all people turn away from the knowledge of God that they find in the created world. They stifle the truth, but God naturally reveals to all people by replacing it with their own ideas. But they have no excuse for not knowing God, Romans 1.20. As a result, natural revelation only condemns people. God can still use natural revelation to awaken people to the reality of the one true God empowered by God's grace. The beauty and intricacy of the world can stimulate a search for the Creator. Paul appealed to natural revelation in Athens as the bridge to preaching the good news. God's revelation in the natural world in a human nature can stimulate people to search for the true God. 
and then through the special revelation he has given in Scripture and in his Son, Jesus Christ, people can come to know him and experience his salvation. And there's a commentary here on uh, Romans 1.19. Today's study, God reveals his divine nature and personal qualities in and through creation. Nature shows us God of might, intelligence, and intricate detail, a God of order and beauty, a God who controls powerful forces, but the fall distorted creation's picture. You know, I like that scripture that says it is uh, a glory for a king to hide the thing and for mm -hmm. us to search it out, yes. and that's in science. Adam's sin brought a divine curse upon the whole natural order, Genesis 3, 17, 19. Thorns and twistles were an immediate result, and natural disasters have been common from Adam's day into ours. But disasters are not truly natural, at least they were not part of God's original creation. Disasters are part of a creation under the curse. Creation continues to suffer the result of man's sin and God's curse. We see it all around in us in the many ways man destroyed creation. Paul says that nature itself is eagerly awaiting its own redemption from the effects of sins, Romans 8, 19, and 22. Creation will be redeemed too when God redeems his people, Romans 8, 21. This is the reason for great anticipation. Think of the awe and wonder you experience in seeing the magnificence of God's cursed creation. Now imagine creation when it's redeemed to the full glory God meant it to be. Amen. So we're really, if we look closely with a grateful attitude, you can see paradise and rhythm and love flowing in the air, just like in heaven. You know, there's music, there's ducks, and there's birds, and there's beauty all around. And we say, yes, God. Yes, you're blessed. Amen. We're one, two, three, four, five, six, six days behind now. I was still recording, babe. What are you recording? You finished it already. Father in heaven, we thank you for July 14th. Thank you, Lord, for giving us another day to bless and praise your name, Lord. Today we are prospering. Today we are rich because of Jesus Christ. Today we say yes to our inheritance. Today we say yes to restoration. Restore, Lord, restore. Give us success today, Lord. We receive our miracles. We receive our benefits. We believe we receive our benefits. We believe you load us daily with benefits. And we thank you for these benefits today. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Lord. And today's reading will be July 14th. Uh, let me see here. July 14th. It says Nehemiah. Chapter 7, verse 7. In October, when the Israelites had settled in their towns, all the people assembled with a unified purpose at the square just inside the water gate. 
they asked Ezra the scribe. Oh, I'm sorry, that's yeah, August 14th. I thought so. I'm like, we didn't do Chronicles. I'm like, um, my good, my good, praise the Lord. I, I like that. Hey, hey, now I'm just the the voice. Thank you, Lord, for my humanity. Thank you, Lord. I rejoice in my humanity, and I'm thankful for it, Lord. Yeah. It keeps me on my toes. I can laugh at myself. Yes, Lord. Laugh <laughs> I can laugh at my derelictions, whatever you call it. All right, now, here we are, July 14th. Hang in there, nerd class. Oh, I already had the screen. First Chronicles. Here we go. First Chronicles chapter 16, verse 37. David arranged for Azaph and his fellow Levites to serve regularly before the Ark of the Lord's Covenant, doing whatever needed to, to be done each day. This group included Obed-Edom, son of Jedutun, Hosah, and 68 other Levites as gatekeepers. Meanwhile, David stationed Sadak, the priest, and his fellow priests at the tabernacle of the Lord, at the place of worship in Gibeon, where they continued to minister before the Lord. They sacrificed the regular burnt offerings to the Lord each morning and evening on the altar set aside for that purpose, obeying everything written in the law of the Lord. As he had commanded Israel, David also appointed Heman, Jedutun, and the others chosen by name to give thanks to the Lord for his faithful love endures forever. They used their trumpets, cymbals, and other instruments to accompany their songs of praise to God, and the sons of Jedutun were appointed as gatekeepers. Then all the people returned to their homes, and David turned and went home to bless his own family. When David was settled in his palace, he summoned Nathan the prophet. Look, David said, I am living in a beautiful cedar palace, but the ark of the Lord's covenant is out there under a tent. Nathan replied to David, Do whatever you have in mind, for God is with you. But the same night, God said to Nathan, Go and tell my servant David, this is what the Lord has declared. You are not the one to build a house for me to live in. I have never lived in a house from the day I brought the Israelites out of Egypt until this very day. My home has always been a tent, moving from one place to another in a tabernacle. Yet, no matter where I have gone with the Israelites, I have never once complained to Israel's leaders the shepherds of my people, I have never asked, and why haven't you built me a beautiful cedar house? Now go and say unto my servant David, This is what the Lord of Heaven's army says. He declares, has declared, I took you from tending the sheep in the pasture and selected you to be the leader of my people Israel. I have been with you wherever you have gone, and I have destroyed all your enemies before your eyes 
Now I will make your name as famous as anyone who has ever lived on the earth, and I will provide a homeland for my people Israel, planting them in a secure place where they will never be disturbed. Evil nations won't oppress them as they've done in the past. Starting from the time I appointed judges to rule my people Israel, and I will defeat all your enemies. Furthermore, I declare that the Lord will build a house for you, a dynasty of kings, for when you die and join your ancestors, I will raise up one of your descendants, one of your sons, and I will make his kingdom strong. He is the one who will build a house, a temple for me, and I will secure his throne forever. I will be his father, and he will be my son. I will never take my favor from him as I took it from the one who ruled before you. I will com confirm him as king over my house and my kingdom for all time, and his throne will be secure forever. So Nathan went back to David and told him everything the Lord had said in this vision. Then King David went in and sat before the Lord and prayed, Who am I? Who am I, O Lord? Who am I, O Lord? And what is my family that you have brought me this far? And now, O God, in addition to everything else, you speak of giving your servant a lasting dynasty. You speak as though I were some, someone very great. O Lord God, what more can I say to you about the way you have honored me? You know what your servant is really like. For the sake of your servant, O Lord, and according to your will, you have done all these great things and have made them known. O Lord, there is no one like you. We have never even heard of another God like you. What other nation on earth is like you, your people, Israel? What other nation, O God, have you redeemed from slavery to be your own people? You made a great name for yourself. When you redeemed your people from Egypt, you performed awesome miracles and drove out the nations that stood in their way. You chose Israel to be your very own people forever, and you, O Lord, became their God. And now, O Lord, I am your servant. Do as you have promised concerning me and my family. May it be a promise that will last forever. And may your name be established in honor forever, so that all everyone will say, The Lord of heaven's army, the God of Israel, is Israel's God, and may the house of your servant David continue before you forever. O oh my God, I have been bold enough to pray to you because you have revealed to you your servant that you will build a house for him, a dynasty of kings, for you are God, O oh Lord, and you have promised these good things to your servant. And now it has pleased you to bless the house of your servant so that it will continue forever before you. For when you grant a blessing, O Lord, it is an eternal blessing. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. You grant a blessing, it's eternal. <clears throat> After this, David defeated and subdued the Philistines by conquering God and his surrounding towns. David also conquered the land of Moab and the Moabites who were spared because David's subjects 
The king, David's subjects, had paid him tribute money. David also destroyed the forces of Hadad Ezer, king of Zobah, as far as Hamat. When Hadadeser marched out to strengthen his control along the Euphrates River, David captured a thousand chariots, seven thousand charioteers, and twenty thousand foot soldiers. He crippled all the chariot horses except enough for a hundred chariots. When Armenians from Damascus arrived to help King Hadadeser, David killed twenty-two thousand of them. Then he placed some, several army garrisons in Damascus, <clears throat> the Ar Armenian capital. And the Armenians became David's subjects and paid him tribute money. So the Lord made David victorious wherever he went. David brought the gold shields of Hadadeser's op officers to Jerusalem, along with a large amount of bronze from Hadadeser's towns of Teba and Kut. Later Solomon melted the bronze and molded it in the great bronze basin called the sea, the pillars and the various bronze articles used at the temple. When King Toi of Hamat heard that David had destroyed the entire army of King Hadadeser of Sosoba, he sent his son Joram to congratulate King David for his successful campaign. Hadadeser and Toi had been enemies and were often at war. Jerome presented David with many gifts of gold, silver, and bronze. King David dedicated all these gifts to the Lord along with the silver and gold he had taken from other nations, <clears throat> from Edom, Moab, Ammon, Philistia, and Amalek. Abishai, son of Sariah, destroyed 18,000 Edomites in the Valley of Salt. He placed army garrisons in Edom, and all the Edomites became David's subjects. In fact, the Lord made David victorious wherever he went. So David reigned over all Israel and did what was just and right for all his people. Joab, son of Zariah, was commander of the army. Jehoshaphat, son of Ahilud, was the royal historian. Sadak, son of Ahitub, and Ahimelech, son of Abiatar, were the priests. Sariah was the court secretary. Benaiah, son of Jehoiada, was captain of the king's bodyguard, and David's son servant as the king's chief assistant. Amen. Okay, we have uh, today's study. David prayed by humbling himself, praising God, recognizing God's blessings, and accepting God's decision, promise, and commands. Humility is not about devaluing your worth. It's about seeing yourself in the big picture in light of how big God is. God sits above the circle of the earth. The people below seem like grasshoppers to him. Isaiah 40:22. When you see God's immensity, praising Him is easy, and thanking Him for His blessing is hard to stop. He cares about you, a small grasshopper, and He gives you everything that is good. James 1.17 When we see ourselves and then see God and His goodness to us, obedience is a simple response of gratefulness. Amen. 
We often reduce prayer to making requests of God and listening, listening our troubles. But these are dimensions of prayer can deepen our relationship with God. Humility, praise, thanks, obedience. Take time to recognize your smallness. Praise God and re reflect on His blessings. Recommit yourself to obey what He has already made clear. Amen, amen, and amen. Praise the Lord. With the birth of Jesus, the son of David, God's unconditional promise to the community of Israel was finally realized. Matthew's genealogy presents Jesus as the fulfillment of God's promise. Matthew 1, 1 to 17. Amen. Amen. That's beautiful. It's really nice to see Nathan talk. God is talking about, like he's having a conversation. He goes, man, he goes, I was never in a tent when I was with it. I never complained that I was living in a tent. <laughs> <laughs> I always lived there. Why should you build me a tent in your house now in Cedar? Did I ever want a house like that? It's beautiful, huh? Yeah. God is awesome. Romans chapter 2, 1 through 24. You may think you can condemn such people, but you are just as bad and you have no excuse when you say that they are wicked and should be punished. You are condemning yourself for you who judge others do these very same things. And we know that God is in His justice will punish anyone who does such things. Since you judge others by for doing these things, why do you think you can avoid God's judgment when you do the same things? Don't you see how wonderfully kind, tolerant, and patient God is with you? Does this mean nothing to you? Can't you see that His kindness is intended to turn you from your sins? Amen. But because you are stubborn and refuse to turn from your sins, you are storing up terrible punishment for yourself. For a day of anger is coming when God's righteous judgment will be revealed. He will judge everyone according to what they have done. He will give eternal life to those who keep on doing good, seeking after the glory and honor and mortality that God offers. But He will pour out His anger and wrath on those who live for themselves, yeah. who refuse to obey the truth and instead live lives of wickedness. There will be trouble and calamity for everyone who keeps on doing what is evil, for the Jew first and also for the Gentile. But there will be glory and honor and peace from God to all who do good. Amen. From the Jew first, and also from the Gentile, for God does not show favoritism. Amen. When the Gentiles sin, they will be destroyed, even though they never had God's written law. And the Jews who do have God's written law will be judged by the law when they fail to obey it. For merely listening to the law doesn't make us right with God. It is obeying the law that makes us right in His sight. Even Gentiles who do not have God's written law show that they know His law when they instinctively obey it, even without having heard it. They demonstrate that God's law is written in their hearts for their own conscience and thoughts either accuse them or tell them they are doing right. 
And this is the message I proclaim, that the day is coming when God, through Christ Jesus, will judge everyone's secret life. You who call yourself Jew are relying on God's law, and you boast about your special relationship with Him. You don't know what He wants. You know what is right because you have been taught His law. You know what He wants. You know what is right because you have been taught His law. You are convinced that you are a guide for the blind and a light for people who are lost in darkness. You think you can instruct the ignorant and teach children the ways of God. For you are certain that God's law gives you complete knowledge and truth. Well then, if you teach others, why don't you teach yourself? You tell others not to steal, but do you steal? You say it is wrong to commit adultery, but you do. But do you commit adultery? You condemn idolatry, but do you use items stolen from pagan temple? You are so proud of knowing the law, but you dishonor God by breaking it. No wonder the scripture says the Gentiles blasphemy the name of God because of you. No wonder the scriptures say the Gentiles blaspheme the name of God because of you. Amen. Yeah. Today's study, Romans 2, 17, 23. When Paul's letter was read to believers in Rome, many probably agree as he condemned idol worship, homosexual practice, and violent people. But what surprised his listeners must have felt, he turned on them and said, in fact, you are just as bad and you have no excuse. Despite this knowledge of God's will, they will... They were guilty because they too refused to live by it. These verses are scatty criticism of their hypocrisy. Paul exhorted the Jews to teach themselves by their own law. First, they knew the law so well that they have learned how to excuse their own actions while criticizing others. Those who have grown up going to church can feel fall into the same trap many Jewish people did. It, they, it, it's much easier to tell others how to behave than to behave properly yourself. This is the evidence that condemns us. We know that it's right and even teach it to others. We don't do it ourselves. Paul says that he, that if we do not live up to the what we know, we are no better than, than unbelievers. What knowledge do you have that you aren't obeying it yet? Ask God to give you peace to submit. Amen. Amen. Praying the Psalms. Speak these words to God, imploring Him to act on your behalf, on behalf of the helpless. Amen. Psalms 10, chapter 16, 18. The Lord is king forever and ever. The God of the nations will vanish from the land. Lord, you know the hopes of the helpless. Please help them. Surely you will hear their cries and comfort them. You will bring justice to the orphans and the oppressed. So merry people can no longer terrify. Mere people cannot longer terrify them. Amen. Proverbs 19, 8-9 To acquire wisdom is to love oneself. People who cherish understanding will prosper. A fault 
witness will not go unpunished, and a liar will be destroyed. Amen. Amen. Blessed be the word of the Lord. God for it. Amen. Amen.